You find yourself lying on a cold tiled floor. Your bare back is bristling against the shiny white tiles. They seem to extend into eternity. A roof is above you, far up above you. A skyscraper could fit in without touching the top. A shiver runs down your spine and you open your eyes, suddenly finding yourself lying in an ocean of grass. The sun softly blanketed over your body, sharply contrasted with the cold tiles you were just on. What was that just now? A dream? Are you in the warm, bright green and sunlit plains, or in the eternally cold, bare and synthetic warehouse? You close your eyes again only to find yourself in the warehouse once more, naked and cold, lying on your back on the tiles once more. In the far distance you see someone. They are standing and watching you. You suddenly realize you are unable to move, and in fear you close your eyes yet again, finding yourself under Helios's sweet life-giving caress. The plains extend to forever, as does the sea of blue sky above you. In the distance you see a horse. He watches you, unmoving. You blink your eyes and find yourself back in the warehouse. This time, the person is standing above you. Welcome. You scream within your mind, trying to break the paralysis holding you down. Silence, fool. Even in your mind, your voice is muffled. Welcome to the ocean. That was scary. Scary, scary. Everybody, welcome again. Always welcome. Being welcomed forever. Welcomed to eternity. To another wonderful episode of the O Show. Um. So this week, I I I was a busy I was a busy bee this week. Uh, so I didn't really prepare any like juicy juice. But as always, I will bring to you. The latest and the greatest in discoveries. I'm gonna start off with astronomy. So there's this little uh, funky article from November the 4th, 2022. That's yesterday from the day of recording. Um, the title is Astronomers Discover Closest Black Hole to Earth. We're officially in danger of being sucked in by a black hole, everyone. Oh, okay. That is a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, black holes are the most extreme objects in the universe. So basically, they found a, a new black hole that's super close to us. Well, super close in terms of black hole distances. We never really knew how many black holes there were for a while because we couldn't detect them. Then we started discovering them, and now we find one 1,600 light years away in the constellation Ophiuchus making it three times closer to Earth than the previous record holder, an X-ray binary in the constellation of Monoceros. Sorry, Monoceros. What's super cool about this uh, black hole is that it's kind of a star system in itself, but it's not a star, it's a black hole, so it's like a black hole system. Why do I say that? It's because this black hole has a sun or a star orbiting it. So just like a planet would orbit a star, 
you have a star orbiting this black hole. That's some next level orbiting, is it not? It's pretty cool. Hey, look at this. We have an Arabian named scientist called Karim al-Badri. Nice to, nice to read that name. Uh, an astrophysicist at the Center of Astrophysics, Harvard and Smithsonian and the Max Planck Institute of Astronomy. And the lead author of the paper describing this discovery. So here, Mr. Al-Badri says... I've been searching for dormant black holes for the last four years using a wide range of data sets and methods, said El Badri. My previous attempts, as well as those of others, turned up in a menagerie, uh, turned, turned, uh, turned up a menagerie of binary systems that masquerade as black holes. But this is the first time the search has borne fruit. So that's pretty amazing. We found a thing. We found a thing. Yeah, so he found a... They found a black hole close to us, 1,600 light years. The closest star is like four light years away, I think. Pretty sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on to the next thing in astronomy. How planets can be an anti-aging formula for stars. Not going to go into too much detail about this one. But basically, when you have a star and a planet around that star it extends the life of the star. So, ironically, Earthlings, or Earth, is extending the, the lifespan of, 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 of Le Sol, you know, the great sun that gives us life. The new Chandra study, led by Illich, approached this problem by looking at a double star, or binary system, where the stars are widely separated, but only one of them has a hot Jupiter orbiting it. Astronomers know that just like human twins, the stars and binary systems form at the same time. Ah, that's so symbolic and beautiful. I love, I love space. Space is so magical. This means they could use the planetary star and the system as a control subject. Yep. I don't even... Um, so I opened this one. And uh, this is in Plants and Animals. The title is Crows Able to Understand the Concept of Recursion. That's really impressive because I don't even know what recursion is. Crows have officially become smarter than me. Re researchers at the University of Tübingen have found via experimentation that crows are capable of understanding the concept of recursion. Once again, something I do not understand. What is recursion? Let us find out. Recursion occurs when a thing is defined in terms of itself of or of its type. I still don't get it. In computer science, recursion is a method of solving a computational problem where the solution depends on solutions to smaller instances of the same problem. Okay, I kind of get it. The fact that the crows can get it is pretty crazy. Crows are really smart. The whole Corvid family. I, I've always wanted to get a, like a, a raven because if you don't know, they can also learn how to speak just like parrots, you know, giving parrots a run for their money. You know, it was events like this one that led to the Great Crow-Parrot War of uh, 2100. Yep, this is a prophecy, or a retelling of the future events of 2100, where a great battle uh, between the crows and the parrots is going to happen. And uh, you heard it here first. So, uh, yeah, prepare yourselves. Next in Plants and Animals, Ambrosia beetles breed and maintain their own food fungi. Which I find super cool. Uh, I don't know if you know about 
ants. There are some species of ants that farm aphids. Aphids are the tiny little green things that sucks sugar out of uh, out of plants. And you have some species of ants that basically farm them. They take care of them. You know, they have like, they breed them. Not breed them exactly, but uh, they farm them. You know, they take care of them. They protect them. And they get, uh, there's like, a, a um, what's it called? When two things evolve and benefit, synergy. I can't remember what that's called. But yeah, they have that thing. So these ambrosia beetles seem to be doing the same thing, but rather than, well, animal husbandry, in the case of the ants, these guys have uh, unlocked the skill of agriculture or fungal agriculture. Ambrosia beetles practice active agriculture. A bark beetle species breeds and cultivates food fungi in its nests and ensures that so-called weed fungi spread less. This has now been experimentally demonstrated for the first time by biologist Janina Deal from Freiburg. She is a doctoral student under Professor Dr. Professor Dr. Peter Biederman, Professor of Forest Entomology and Forest Protection at the University of Freiburg. Fungal coatings, genetic analysis, beetles probably use antibiotic forming bacteria. Fuck, that's cool. These results support the existence of active farming in the ambrosia beetles, although the exact mechanisms controlling the fungal community need further investigation. Social behavior probably also plays an important role. The entire group of beetles in the nest, including the larvae, work together to care for the fungi. This creates a close symbiosis, that's the word I was searching for, between beetles and fungi. Each ambrosia beetle species has its own food fungus. Neither can survive without the other. So cool! Oh. If humans had uh, if humans had to have one kind of thing that they, they domesticate or, or agriculturate, what what would that be? What kind of symbiosis would uh, humans have with, you know, a creature or, or a living thing? Or we don't even know if fungi. I don't know. You know, I feel like you know how Smurfs. You know the the blue guys. They they kind of cultivated fungi and and uh, their civilization was based off of fungal technology, which I I really I'm I'm very fascinated with this concept of uh, different routes of technological development. And these beetles seem to be on their way to developing a fungal-based civilization. Go Ambrosia beetles! We are uh, rooting for you. Human beings are rooting for the beetles. Oh, fucking hell, what's that, Nick? Well, like, don't start changing fucking reels in the middle of a take. As for us, I, I, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you have, you have um, elves, right? In the Elder Scrolls, at least. You have the wood elves that kind of... You also have the dark elves, the Telvani wizards or the family that kind of um, they harness the magical capacities to create homes out of mushrooms you know if you've ever been to to the land of Morrowind you know what I'm talking about other news in plants and animals new unusual bee species discovered with wait for it dog-like snout. A new native bee species with a dog-like snout has been discovered in Perth, Bushland. Through curtain-lead research, it sheds, sheds new light on our, our, our most important pollinators. That was my best Australian accent. Published in the Journey of Hym Hymenoptera Research, author Dr. Kit Prendergast. What a nice name, Prendergast. 
from the Curtin School of Molecular and Life Sciences has named the new species after her pet dog, Zephyr. Oh, it is so cute. After noticing a protruding part of the next insect's face looks similar to the dog's snout, and to acknowledge the role her dog played in providing emotional support during her PhD. Thank you, Zephyr, for... It's crazy. The dog, you know, has led to a greater... Um, greater... Uh, what's the word? What's wrong with me, man? can't remember any words. Maybe I should uh, consult the crows. They can teach me how to speak. Um, yeah, the dog basically has contributed to science more than, you know, most people. Fantastic! Dr. Prendergast said that the rare and remarkable findings would add to existing knowledge about our evolving biodiversity and ensure the bee's name, Leoproctus Zephyr, were protected by Cadavra. Um, yeah, so a dog-looking, a dog-looking bee. They don't have a good picture of it, though, unfortunately. Like, I'm looking at the picture, and it just, just looks like a bee. You know, I don't see no snout. No snout. No snout on the Leoproctus Zephyrus. Yeah, if I ever discovered a creature, I would name it after my cat, Haley. Hey, uh, so this, this, this creature, if, if I discovered it and named it after my cat... To be Leoproctus Haley. And moving on to evolution, paleontology, and fossils. 500 million year old fossils reveal answer to evolutionary riddle. Now, what evolutionary riddle is that? First, animals to build hard and robust skeletons appear suddenly in the fossil records in a geological blink of an eye around 550 to 520 million years ago during an event called the Cambrian Explosion. That's the time when you had those really weird alien-looking creatures in the ocean. Many of these early fossils are simple hollow tubes ranging from few millimeters all the way So the mystery is how that jump um, of building hard and robust skeletons happened a new collection of a bunch of dudes real human beings were collected no i'm joking <laughs> these reveal that this species had a mouth ring with the ring smooth arthropod basically looks like uh, that pokemon what's it called can't remember but it's based on on a cambrian um animal yeah uh, this one's kind of uh over my head not sure what they discovered i'm reading through it just describing the animal um, the fossil of the animal and yeah it's not super clear according to researchers we looked yeah just what it looks like unlike living kind of basically was an ancient jellyfish um, yeah this 500 million year old fossil can kiss my neander oh this one's cool this one's cool evolution paleontology and fossils Neanderthal extinction may have been caused by sex. I've heard people say that. And not fighting. So basically, Homo sapiens fucked Neanderthals to death. I think uh, Mr. Garrison would, uh, would be really happy with that. Well, there's only one immigration policy that I believe in, and that's f*** them all to death! A new paper proposes that Homo sapiens may have been responsible for the extinction of Neanderthals, Neanderthals not by violence, but through sex instead. Making love, not war, might have been responsible for putting the Neanderthals on a path to extinction. I don't know how we could fuck them to death 
While about 2% of the genome of all living people from outside Africa is derived from Neanderthals, there is very little evidence that, is pro, that this process went the other way. How can you fuck a species to non-existence? I, like, I, I, I know it's true, like we, we, we cross bread, but um, why would that cause them to disappear? Let's find out. Professor Chris Stinger says, Our knowledge of the interaction between Homo sapiens and Neanderthals has got more complex in the past few years, but it's rare to see scientific discussion of how the interbreeding between the groups actually happened. We propose that this behavior could have led to the Neanderthals' ex uh, extinction if they were regularly breeding with Homo sapiens, which could have eroded their population until they disappeared. From genetic data, it looks like the two species first encountered each other when the Homo sapien began making occasional forays out of Africa about 250,000 years ago. Without knowing exactly what Neanderthals looked or behaved like, we can only speculate what Homo sapiens would have thought of their relatives. I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in this period of time because uh, there were different species of humanity, which is super cool it's it's kind of like lord of the rings or, or elder scrolls or some fantasy world where you have different types of human which is just fantastic <coughs> yeah like you have aragorn he was kind of elvish kind of human numenorean whatever but you'd have those half breed you know people like half human half neanderthal it's very interesting and i guess maybe humans were better at breeding or or, or, or spreading i don't know maybe they outspread them very sad, but very cool. What a power move humans uh, pulled. Neanderthal and Homo sapiens interbreeding. So whether or not interbreeding was successful appears to depend on the exact pair that was breeding. Okay, so, so far there is no evidence of Homo sapiens genetics in late Neanderthal genomes dating to between 40 to 60,000 years ago. It is possible that this is due to the process of hybridization itself, as some species are only capable of producing offspring in certain directions. For instance, Pollen from the Capsella rubella plant can successfully fertilize Capsella grandiflora seeds, but not the other way around. Okay, so it seems like maybe... Oh, wow, that's that's actually pretty cool. So it seems like humans... So probably male Homo sapiens could impregnate female Neanderthals, but it didn't go the other way around. So, yeah, very cool. The lack of mitochondrial DNA, which is inherited through females... From Neanderthals and living humans has been suggested as evidence that only male Neanderthals and female Homo sapiens could mate. But there is also yeah, that's that's what I said. Yeah, it's, yeah, oh yeah, that's let's go. But there is also some evidence that male hybrids may have been less fertile than females. Okay, okay, yeah, it would kind of make sense because usually when you have hybrids, they uh, they're sterile. With fewer Neanderthals breeding with each other and group size already have, blah, blah, the family groups could have helped push the species into decline. At the moment, however, there isn't enough evidence to decide either way. Well, we're getting closer because I, I remember like five, ten, whatever years ago, the, you know, what people generally said was that humans basically killed off Neanderthals as well as everything else apparently in the Ice Age, you know? We, uh, we, we yeah, it's, it's insanity in my opinion. Um that we like made so many huge uh, creatures go extinct you know and and the the population of the, the human population the global human population on earth was like nothing it was we, there were few numbers of people like hundreds of thousands i guess let's actually make sure on that so human global global human population during ice age 
Holy moly. Genetic studies of modern human DNA tell us that at some point during this period, human populations plummeted from more than 10,000 breeding individuals to as few as 600. Wow. That's fucking amazing. Homo sapiens became a highly endangered species. We almost went extinct, man. Maybe that's why, you know, you have these um, mythological stories or even religious stories of uh, needing to, to multiply, you know, especially in the Bible. You have that uh, part that's like, um, uh, you know, go forth and multiply. Yeah. Damn, 600 to as few. So it's not strictly 600. It's 10,000 to as few as 600. But still, damn, imagine. That's like smaller than a school. That's really cool. I bet those people were tight. They were best friends, all of them. They were like, yeah, we're the last humans on Earth. Last humans on Earth. Next is archaeology. And this one seems pretty cool and not too surprising, actually. Evidence found of psychoactive and stimulant plants used by Nazca people in Peru. Okay, so the stimulant's not such a big surprise because tobacco use was um, started there uh, in South America. Um, but psychoactive, let's see. So here we have prior research has shown that the Inca gave ayahuasca a hallucinogenic beverage to people who were to be sacrificed, likely to keep them calm. Man, I feel like they'd go crazy. It's kind of like, uh, is, is that movie called um, Apocalypse Now? Is that it? The the one? No, or apo what's it called? Apocalyptico? Apocalypto. Yeah, Apocalypto. The one where they're sacrificing people and, and they give them mushrooms or something. Yeah, fuck, that would be scary. Imagine being given like a psychedelic and yeah, you're going to get sacrificed. Scary, man. Super scary, man. People are intense, are they not? Very intense. Likely to keep them calm, my ass. What? <laughs> In this new effort, the researchers studied the remains of Nazca people buried along the southern coast of Peru during the years 3500 BC to 476 AD. The Nazca people have become famous in modern times for their advanced irrigation techniques and their geoglyphs in the Pampa, Colorado desert. In this new effort, the researchers wanted to know if the Nazca also gave hallucinogens to people prior to sacrifice. I don't know why it's in the context of people being sacrificed. I remember reading somewhere, I think this is from Graham Hancock, that um, Quetzalcoatl, I think that was the name of the king, he would take mushrooms, I guess, I'm not sure what kind of psychoactive, and uh, he would convene with this demon god. Uh, and he that demon god was the thing um, basically asking for these human sacrifices. I'm not sure if this is fiction or non-fiction. So don't take me for, like, don't take this as fact. Look into it if you're interested. But I'm pretty sure it's from Graham Hancock's body of work. Um, yeah, so the researchers found evidence of chemicals from the San Pedro cactus in hair from one of the trophy heads mescaline that of a child <clears throat> the findings marked the first time that evidence had been found of nascar sacrificial victims being given stimulants before death they also found evidence of cocaine and banisteriopsis copy a major ingredient in ayahuasca and some of their ex uh, other samples so yeah banisteriopsis if i'm not mistaken again is the vine used with uh, the leaves that have the mt in them that uh the Banisteriopsis, I think, has the um, the Maui's in it that kind of make that make the DMT orally active. 
So they were using that. It's, it's very cool. The researchers also compared the locations where the remains had been found to track the use of such chemicals by the Nazca people. They also noted a large number of artifacts, such as pots and textiles, have been found close to where the remains were buried. Yeah, it's 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 not a big jump to 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 see that this these people uh, were using psychoactive and stimulant plants. It's not it's not really that surprising. I feel like it's almost a given that you have these um, massive civilizations at the time using um you know drugs you know technology baby nature's technology right you know like i was reading yesterday about um the new to- new nootropic effects of of nicotine you know and like nicotine really does get a bad rep but damn man if if it, it helps you know it helps focus it helps uh, sharpness uh, the study basically said that it also helps consolidation so you don't even have to have it while you know studying or whatever you can if you're if you're dosed with low doses of nicotine after studying something there is improved consolidation which is you know it's it's pretty cool you know i like nicotine nicotine is cool i'll try nicotine kids (laughs) speaking of that i've been considering getting nicotine gum so that i can chew them while taking tests or writing papers or doing any kind of mentally um, demanding exercise, especially after reading that paper. Yeah, let's see how it goes. I will let you know. How 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 how's your week been, or is your week been? Thanks for joining the Osho this week. And follow me on Instagram at Osho the, Twitter at Osho the. Uh, we have a subreddit R the Osho. You can email me at Osho the at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.